0: Hello and welcome to the Fraudian Slip, the Identity Theft Resource Center's podcast where we talk about all things identity compromise, crime, and fraud that impact people and businesses. Now, normally on this podcast, we would introduce a topic, a guest expert, and our CEO, Eva Velasquez. But this month, we're focusing on one of our signature reports, the Business Impact Report, led by our very own COO, James Lee. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. When we go over the findings of the 2023 business impact report here at the identity theft resource center. I'm James Lee, I am the COO of the ITRC. For those of you who are not familiar with us, we're a almost 25-year-old nonprofit and our core business, if you will, is the free assistance given to victims of identity crimes. That's where we started and it remains a core of what we do. But over time we've also begun to branch into other kinds of identity-related issues, including researching trends around identity crimes, and the impacts of those have on both individuals and on businesses. This report is a companion to one we released a couple of months ago on consumer impacts. Today, we're going to talk about the impacts specifically on small businesses when it comes to cyber attacks, data breaches, or both. So just a quick readout of what we found. You can get more details uh, by downloading a report at idtheftcenter.org forward slash publications. But here's here's an overview of what we found in this report, that attacks against small businesses are up. But at the same time, confidence among small business leaders about their ability to repel those attacks and respond to those attacks has gone up even higher. We also found that cyber insurance is now the number one source of funds to recover from an attack. That's very different than when we published our first report three years ago when cyber insurance proceeds were a very low source of recovery funds. Non-financial impacts are up more than financial impacts. It's not to say there aren't financial impacts, but that there are other secondary impacts that are now coming up Uh, to uh, cause problems for businesses as they attempt to uh, recover from an attack. All of these trends are a reflection of broader trends that apply to all businesses. That is, more attacks. Because there's more attacks, there's more breaches. And in particular, more supply chain vendors being targeted. And since most small businesses uh, oftentimes are part of a supply chain, they are naturally going to be targeted more often and you're going to see more uh, data breaches uh, as a result. And then the final finding, which we'll talk about, is small businesses have been very slow to adopt new data protection and privacy tools that could both help the business, but also their customers. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. So let's go back to 2021 when we published our first business impact report. And what we saw then was a little over 50% of businesses, small businesses, were the victim of either a data breach, a security breach, or both. And we're using the definition of small business that the Small Business Administration uses, which is 500 or fewer employees. Let's fast forward to today. So in this report from 2023, we see a much higher Number of both data breaches, security breaches, and a combination of both. So if we were a little over 50% two years ago, we're almost three quarters uh, of businesses now saying they've had one part of this a data breach, a security breach, or both. So big move in a relatively short period of time. What we've also seen here is the number of first-time attacks is fairly consistent across the the years, but what we're seeing is an escalation in the number of repeat attacks. So organizations that have been uh, attacked more than once is actually outpacing the number of first-time uh, victims, uh, companies being victims. Uh, so here you'll see, you know, forty-three percent first-time in the last 12 months, but you see much higher rates of people who have had two times, three times, four or more times in the last um, uh, 12 months would be uh, how many times they've been attacked. What's causing all of this? Um, Fairly consistent, though we've seen some growth. uh, Consistency in the sense that uh, external attackers, uh, threat actors, are still the number one source of an attack. That has been consistent throughout the three years we've been doing this report. Malicious insiders uh, sort of consistent year over year. Uh, so thir- in this case, 30% of attacks uh, were some way linked to a malicious insider could be an employee, could be a vendor. Uh, what we did see was a drop in the number of third party vendors and uh, from last year. And that is largely attributable to the fact that um, very small businesses don't have very many vendors. So the organization themselves may be a vendor to a larger organization, but they don't have very many in their supply chain. And we did see a, a pretty good drop in the per- uh, percentage point drop year over year in third party vendors and remote workers. Also, we see that consistently in large organizations as well as small organizations uh, that continue to drop as more people go back to work, but also uh, the security for remote workers continues to improve. Where we saw increases was in the number of phishing schemes causing uh, particularly data breaches and um, some form of identity scam or fraud where they're able to entice an employee to give information that can then be used to... um, uh, uh, facilitate an attack against the business. So phishing schemes and then some sort of scam or fraud did grow last year. Um, the impacts of these attacks, um, obviously there's going to be a financial impact whenever you have an attack uh, against an organization that is successful. What we've seen though is the... the um, Amount of the impact grow in one category. So you have more organizations falling into this category of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or less in terms of a loss. Um, and that has grown as a category, but that's actually in a in a perverse sort of way that's a little bit of good news because that means there are not as many organizations losing money greater than that. That can still be a tremendous amount of money to lose if you're a small business. So $250,000 or even $50,000, even $1,000 could be a, a major impact to a small business. But we do see the growth in that category of loss as opposed to the higher end. When it comes to consumers, you're seeing growth at the higher end. So individuals are losing more money whereas small businesses it it is now kind of concentrating at the lower end of the scale. How do they recover Uh, once there is an attack? Uh, If we were looking at this uh, chart a couple of years ago, it looked very different. Um, A lot of organizations had to take out loans. Uh, They had to tap into an existing line of credits. There was a much more... Uh, focus on expense reduction and headcount reduction to weather the uh, crisis that comes with a data breach or in a, in a security breach. Here, though, we're now seeing cyber insurance proceeds jump to the top. So more organizations uh, taking out cyber insurance and using those proceeds to recover in the event of a data breach or a cyber attack or both. Uh, Cash reserves still remain uh, a number two, uh, and that's uh, still a high number. Uh, Still, people uh, organizations are tapping that line of credit, but at lower rates. New loans is a much lower rate. The one area where you are seeing a little bit of an uptick year over year is headcount reductions. So we saw a high point of 15% in 2021. We dropped down in 2022, now we're back up to 13% here in 2023, where people are um, um, cutting jobs to be able to help recover financially from an attack. But that is uh, not the only problem that comes with a uh, some form of a cyber attack, whether it's a data breach or a security breach or both. Uh, and what we're seeing, obviously, is again a loss of revenue is the number one problem. That's that's pretty consistent uh, percentage wise uh, year over year. Uh, a little bit lower this year, not significantly, but a little bit lower in a loss of revenue. But you're seeing significant increase in these secondary kinds of impacts, which in many respects are harder to uh, recover from, and they are um, they can be long term have an even bigger impact than what can be a relatively momentary uh, loss of revenue. So what you're particularly seeing is difficulty in understanding what happened and why. Uh, Now, that may uh, be a result of the fact that small businesses don't have access to sophisticated cybersecurity and forensic tools, so they're 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 struggling to figure out what happened and why, which also means they're having difficulty. You'll see down a little bit lower. difficulty finding a solution, um, and it's certainly an affordable solution. So after revenue loss, this difficulty in understanding what happened and why is a significant finding. Uh, you're seeing increases in regrettable employee turnover. So you're seeing employees leaving companies that have data breaches now at a higher rate, almost a third. That's a significant increase. Uh, same thing with loss of customer trust. We've always seen that number, but this number is higher than it has been historically. So those um, three things together, not knowing what happened and why, having employee turnover, and then losing customer trust, those can be long-term issues that can become a drag on the business. So it's important that those uh, these issues be uh, addressed. Uh, One last thing is you do see as more organizations are using cyber insurance, we're for the first time seeing in double digits, a difficulty obtaining cyber insurance. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, that the cyber market is, is um, in a lot of flux. There's a, there's a lot of volatility and a lot of complexity in that market as the insurance carriers themselves try to figure out how to adequately assess the risk and price the risk uh of an organization when it comes to cyber issues so uh, we can sort of expect to see this number kind of bounce around or most likely for a while longer um we asked folks you know how about your ability to respond to a cyber attack so all these previous numbers are all against this backdrop of we've seen the highest number of, of attacks since we started conducting this research three years ago so we're you know of organizations said they had a breach of a a data breach, a security breach, or both. Let's contrast that with what we're seeing here. Last year, there was was very high confidence rate that people could uh, address a cyber attack. This year, it's even higher. So 85% of the respondents said that they were prepared to respond to a cyber attack a data breach or both and that they are ready to recover from those so it's it's it, it is interesting to see that there is that high level of confidence there is some evidence to suggest they're absolutely correct and when you look at the fact that the the dollar value losses are dropping and you're a little bit static on the loss of revenue slightly down so from a financial perspective, they may very well be uh, better prepared, but that's still an extraordinarily high rate of confidence. And as long as businesses are taking um, these threats seriously and they are indeed planning on how to address them, then high confidences may be warranted and it's not necessarily a bad thing. But what we don't wanna see is this slip into overconfidence. And then organizations uh, wind up being hurt uh, far more than they would if they took a much stronger uh, posture in protecting themselves. We we talked about, with the, the respondents to the survey, about some of the newer things that can be used to protect their business as well as their customers. And that's in contrast to, we had already asked questions, and you can read it in the full report, around what do they do in terms of training, what are they doing in terms of cybersecurity tools, what are they doing in terms of the more traditional approaches to data protection and and data security and privacy. So with what we thought we would do is focus in this survey more around what are some of the things that are just coming into the market or have been in for a couple of years and are established are they are they taking advantage of them and what you see here is basically you have a cadre of small businesses who are taking advantage of some of the newer techniques that can be very effective at protecting an organization and its data and its customers but the vast majority of organizations are not yet looking at these things they're not implementing these things so whether you're talking about multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication within an organization just employees using it inside the house you've still got just right at a third you have less than a third only a little only a little over a quarter if you're talking about for an external use I'm sorry, I, I, I actually reversed those numbers. It's all the other way around. So external use is, is a little over a third. Internal use is a, just a little over a quarter. So, the, you know, those um, those are two very effective means of preventing, in particular, if a credential is compromised, which we know threat actors want credentials, and we know that those have led to some significant data breaches this year, the Move It... Um, a data breach, which was a supply chain attack in particular, was because of compromised credentials. Uh, so if you had two-factor authentication, that kind of attack can be blocked. Um, we're, we're not seeing uh, the, the level of role-based accessibility. So what kind of access you have to data and software and process is being determined by what you do, what's your role in an organization. We'd only seeing a little over a quarter, uh, applying that kind of uh, a process. And that's a very simple tool to do. Long passwords, something as simple as just having longer passwords because we know longer passwords are uh, more difficult to compromise. Uh, still, only a little over a quarter of organizations saying that they use and they force the use of a minimum of 12 character passwords. Here's one that's, that's um, uh, newer, And it gets to the point of you can't breach information if you don't have it, right? So what are you doing in terms of data minimization? And when I say that, what I mean is, are you collecting more information than you need? So particularly marketers uh, are are very interested in capturing all the information that they can um, because they want to be able to uh, uh, find customers who are looking for their product. And they, want to, they don't want to waste their time talking to people who aren't interested in their product. They don't want to waste the prospect's time by uh, pitching to people who aren't going to be interested. So we tend to over-collect data, and then we, ho- we hold on to it too long. So data minimization is all based on the concept of only collect what you need, only keep it as long as you need it. So as soon as the transaction is complete, for example, get rid of the information. And if you're required to keep something, make sure that it is secure and encrypted. So that way, you don't have to worry about excess amounts of information being exposed. If you do have a cyber attack, you do have a data breach, you kept a minimum amount of information required. And that is uh, both protects your business and it protects the individuals whose information is compromised. There's, you can see the rest of the numbers there. I do want to um, point out pass keys, which are relatively new. But we've had a lot of movement here just in the last um, six weeks, even with Google announcing that they're going to make that default on Google properties. You've had Amazon saying that they're going to make pass keys default. The infrastructure is in place now. Because all the major manufacturers, Microsoft, Apple, Google, they've all adopted passkey. The infrastructure to use pass keys, uh, it now exists on Uh, the infrastructure side what has to happen now to drive adoption is individual organizations businesses have to now configure their systems to be able to receive the passkey and remember a passkey replaces the password so rather than relying on an individual to know or to create a password and then enter that password even with a two-factor authentication or something they have to remember that password And that is a very uh, risky proposition, as we know, because credentials um, can get compromised pretty easily. Individuals can give them up thinking they're talking to a legitimate representative of a company uh, when, in fact, they're not. Uh, With a passkey, none of that uh, happens. It's device-based. The token is in the device. The individual does not know the token. They don't know the information, so they can't give it away. And it is it's a system to system process. So uh, the ability to fish someone out of their credential, so they can get into a system, uh, becomes a moot point because the individual doesn't know whatever the credential is. Uh, Passkeys over time, we do believe, will become a very large part of the authentication process. We'll never completely do away with passwords but passkeys could become the the dominant, but it's gonna require now small businesses, medium businesses, large businesses to change their account setup and their websites and all their account access processes to be able to accept passkeys. We did talk about um, uh, data minimization. There are some other uh, data privacy best practices that can help, but. Here again, we're not seeing great utilization in small businesses. The highest level of utilization is um, allowing consumers to opt out or limit information that's collected about them, and that's at thirty-seven percent. So just a little over a third of small businesses are doing that, and and it's it's we're going to have to do some more research to def- to dig into this these numbers a little bit because some of this may very well be because these. Um, companies that companies have responded are in states that have passed comprehensive state privacy laws that require uh, consumer access but overall this still shows it's roughly anywhere between um, a quarter to a little over a third of organizations are adopting these practices which means the reverse is true the vast majority of small businesses are not following data privacy practices that could be helpful to them and also to uh, their customers. So whether that is giving customers access to information, allow them to correct it, allow them to delete it, allow them to limit the collection of use, all these things um, can be helpful in protecting an individual's privacy, which in the long run, helps the business as well. So the question we always get, well, why? All these trends we just talked about, all these outcomes we just talked about, why? So the why in this particular case, uh, we, we believe is we've had a number of things happen this year. One is we had a lot of cybercrime groups that had been out of the marketplace, the if you will, um, because of the war in Ukraine last year have come back Onto the playing field for committing identity crimes, and they are joining the groups that sprung up in their absence. We've got both the old cybercrime groups and new cybercrime groups, all now uh, in the uh, attacking uh, businesses of all sizes. But a lot there are groups that focus on small businesses, and as we've seen from the numbers, uh, small businesses have been attacked more frequently this year, and there's nothing to suggest that that's going to change. We've also seen a resurgence of ransomware. Those are, that's kind of related to these first two bullet points, but ransomware is way up. Zero-day attacks, which are software flaws that are not patched and previously unknown, those are way up. And small businesses can be very vulnerable to those kinds of attacks because they're completely reliant on the, the manufacturer of the software they, they use providing them with a patch. And so if the manufacturer of that software doesn't know there's a, there's a flaw and the bad guys find it, that makes the small businesses uh, vulnerable to attack before they even know how to fix it. So zero day attacks are way up this year. Just order of magnitude. We report we recorded five data breaches as a result of a zero day attack last year. Uh, We've already reported uh, 86 so far Uh, this year in 2023 and and the year of course is not over and then lastly this is going to be a record breaking year for data breaches we broke the previous uh, record for data breaches about two months ago that was the annual uh, uh, number of breaches was 1862 at the end of 2021 we're going to be well over that we already are We'll probably end the year somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 data breaches for the year. So just order of magnitude, a lot of those are small businesses, in particular, supply chain attacks, because small businesses make up a huge part of the supply chain. And there have been some massive supply chain attacks this year, and the year is not over. So along with why, then the next question is, what do we do? Well, the things we recommend small businesses do, first and foremost, is you know, follow basic cybersecurity best practices. Keep your software up to date, both the operating software you know, in terms of versions. Make sure you always have the latest version of your software, because that is always going to be the most secure. And it is uh, uh, more often than not also the most efficient. So make sure you keep your software up to date from a just a version perspective, but also whenever you do get a security Uh, patch delivered by your software provider. Make sure those are put in place immediately. Uh, Use that auto-update feature that comes in most every uh, off-the-shelf piece of software. So make sure you're keeping your software up to date. Hire a cybersecurity expert if you don't already have one. Uh, You can use a a third-party a managed security service provider to advise you or to do your and you know, provide your security for you. You uh, you may already have an, an infrastructure, an IT infrastructure um, advisor. See if they can also advise you on cybersecurity. Have somebody who can help you maintain a good cybersecurity posture because your business most likely has nothing to do with cybersecurity. So you need an expert to help make sure you keep your business safe and the best way to do that is to is to hire an outside consultant until you grow to the point where you can have somebody on staff and then the last part under this basic cybersecurity is you know train your people and it's not just a one and done you can't do it just the, their first day on the job and then you never talk about cyber security and data protection and you know how to avoid phishing those should be uh, conversations you have on a regular basis because they're always changing the way that uh, the, the, the criminals attack, I always say that they're a crafty lot because they're always finding new ways of infiltrating businesses, either by scamming employees, some sort of new fraud, or some type of technical attack. So train your team to be able to spot that and resist uh, those kinds of uh, attacks. Um, look at those new protections that are available. Add multi-factor authentication if you have it. Add pass keys if you, if you can. Uh, the, look at uh, the best practices around data privacy. Make sure you're not collecting information you don't need. Make sure you don't keep it if you don't have to. And, and if you do have to keep it, um, you know secure it. So you're doing everything you can to keep your business safe and also your customers safe, which in the long run, obviously, is going to be helpful uh, to you and your business and your customers. That's the 2023 Business Impact Report from the ITRC. We certainly hope you found this information informative. There's a lot more information in the actual report, which you can download at idtheftcenter.org forward slash publications. And once you've read it, if you have questions or if you have questions now, send us an email. We'll be happy to respond to them. The email address is on the screen at communications at idtheftcenter.org. Again, thank you for your time, and we look forward to meeting with you again in the future. We'll return next week with another edition of our sister podcast, The Weekly Breach Breakdown. I'm Tim Walden. Thanks for listening.